0: Okay, welcome to the eighth episode of Fresh Meat, the Manifest Podcast. Once again, we're recording this in Brooklyn, New York. I am Julian Nabuba, taking over the New York-hosted duties from Jessica Becker, who you heard in the last episode. Today, we're going to be talking about a few topics that revolve around our relationship with work and the effect it has on our well-being. Well, some of you would have read uh, the recent New York Times article about performative workaholism and the Buzzfeed piece on how millennials became the burnout generation. Over in the UK, PR Week has just released a study that showed over a third of people working in PR have experienced work-induced mental ill health. I think that's a pretty sobering statistic. So here to help me unpick and unpack these issues are uh, Courtney Sird, a peak performance coach and trainer. She focuses on mindset and helps people get from where they are to where they want to be. And Miriam Ajayi an energy healer and business growth strategist on a soul's mission to merge the healing and modern business worlds by helping people, helping socially conscious people and companies grow into their full potential. And we also have Manifest New York's very own Ashley Elders. Welcome, guys. Hi.
1: Mm. Hello. How are you guys today?
0: All right. Everyone doing good? Yes. Yes. Beautiful day. All right. So firstly, I want to put my media critic hat on and ask the question to the group. Um, about if we're actually in the middle of an unpre- unprecedented mental health crisis um, at work, or does it seem that way because we finally have the language um, and social context to actually speak and write sympathetically about mental health?
1: I think it's always been that way. We just have the language, and people are, want- when you can see something, you can identify it and it becomes more in your awareness. However, if you think about in the past when their, your grandfather would come home angry and upset and drink, right? It was because yeah. he had a really bad, hard, long work day. Yeah. If you really think, I think it's always been that way. Um, going back to the nineteen tens, to the twenties, to the coal miners, like children used to work. We had to have labor laws. So Americans in and of itself, they like free labor. Hmm. I mean, America was built on free labor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I know all about that. I was I was at the Museum of African American History and Culture yesterday, so yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it's both. I think I think we to Courtney's point, we have the vocabulary, we have the awareness, we have a lot of developments around looking at these things. But I also think that we have entered this age where people blend, you know, the home life, the work life, it's all this sort of idea that we can get into and um and like how 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 much your productivity is, is yeah. how big your life is and all of these different things. And I think people just feel a lot of pressure um, to constantly perform and be on stage and be doing this life the way that they see other people doing their lives. It just perpetuates this like constant need to, 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 to be more, have yeah. more. Yeah.
0: That always on culture. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. I, I would also say it's both. Um, I think it's always been there. Um, And I think we do have the vocabulary. I think where the crisis comes from is like misinformation, Mm. you know, like I hate to say it like fake news Um, and what it truly means to have this vocabulary and to use it and to see what's going on within yourself, your community and the greater world. Um, And is it laziness? Like, is it the millennial generation? I think all of that is just the chaos around it is the patriarchy losing their their grip. People are awakening and the mind control is kind of like slipping away now. And all of the articles that we read um, about it, it's like there's so much confusion. You read an article and you're like, what did I just read? You know, is this happening to me? And then you go down a rabbit hole of the internet and it's just like, what should I be? Should I strive to be like Elon Musk? You know, and for me, I think, I think those ideals that are still out there are just so outdated.
0: Mm. Yeah, Elon Musk and his eighty-hour workday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, if we if we bring it a little bit personally, when you guys entered the, the the world of work, what were your expectations about, I guess, work-life balance? To use an outdated term, um, and how did that pan out? Like, did you have to recalibrate how you thought about um, managing your life and, and work? Or has it actually panned out how you imagined?
1: Um, no, like I had a series of burnout. I've worked for myself for the last nine years yeah. and everything that I have done has been self like funded. So you begin to blend your life. And then you wake up one day and you're like, wait a second, everything that I do is work centric. So mm. I've had to institute like I have had to place certain things in my life so that I do cut things off.
0: Right.
1: And the funny thing is is like um the people on the higher level, they're not working all those hours. Mm. They're selling you that dream. Like what we have to realize is that a lot of our marketing and our media and the memes that are there were all started by someone by the name of Edward Bernays, who is the father of PR, Sorry, PR. and his uncle was Sigmund Freud. So mm-hmm. he understood how to trick the mind. Yeah. And it's a whole big mind trick. So I fell into that too. You got to work hard. You got to hustle. I also fell into the idea of, like, you're a black woman, so you have to work 18 times harder. Mm-hmm. You have to be 10 times better to receive half as much. Yeah. So it's, like, inoculated inside of you to go, 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 go. Yeah. Um, so I've actually – I scale back completely what I do. I don't answer calls on the weekend. I've created boundaries. And the funny thing is is that my clients value and appreciate my time more mm. because I value and appreciate my time more. Mm. And a lot of what, we're, what has been sold to people – is a myth. Like Gary Vee started with four million dollars. Mm. My hustle would be totally different if I had four million dollars. <laughs> but he leaves that out. Yeah. And he teaches this. And I know a lot of people that work at that agency and they're not happy.
0: Yeah.
1: They pretend to be happy. Yeah. Because again, it's in that article. If you express your displeasure with work, you have a scarlet letter.
0: Yeah. How did that how did that like become though? Like the idea that we have to express something about work we have to you know you know hashtag you know rise and grind right show ourselves at work having fun like at manifest i I know that a lot of times i I post you know pictures of the fact we have office dogs and all Mm -hmm. that and i get people emailing Mm -hmm. um and and sending me you know a message saying i want to work there like Mm -hmm. obviously i'm not going to show you like a spreadsheet like (laughs) which is (laughs) which is half my day you know but the idea that you know work has to be fun um, and the, the idea that that, you know, work has to almost blend w- with play, but even though you you still have to, you know, grind, you know, but you're having fun while grinding, it's, it's sort of pervasive now. And yeah. how, how did that come to be? Like, yeah. You know, what's going on? I,
3: I think it's a generational thing. I was, um, I'm actually, I just uh, resigned from my job on oh, okay. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to start my own company. Right. But um, I was having a discussion with my parents about, my resignation, yeah. um, and they just lost it. And I was talking to my friend about it, how especially being um, a, a woman of color, yeah. um, I'm half Nigerian, so right. the child of an immigrant. I know all about that. Um, and then being a woman, you yeah. know, and people are like, well, women fought you know, for you to have a seat at the table. I'm like, I don't, I don't have a seat at the table. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, but all of that, your worth is put on your job. So, like, especially if you're the child of an immigrant, it's, like, become a lawyer, become a doctor, and your success is on your job title. So, like, why wouldn't you strive to be the best at your job, you know, and to show everyone that, like, you're having such a good time doing your job? It's, like, it's a trick. It's a lie, but it's so ingrained in the human condition to define yourself by how you make your money.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I came from a really working class background. My parents were both, you know, we're just small town people. And I grew up just kind of where I come from. You don't really leave that community. It's yeah. really common for people to be born there, raised there and die there. Um, and so for me, I, I I didn't really entertain the idea of, of loving what you do or looking at work as something that rewards you. It was like a paycheck. It's how you paid your bills. Um And that was fine for me for a long time. And then right around the end of my 20s, I started thinking about, um, well, what would I do if I actually, what would it look like if I actually didn't just go to work and go home and then start living my life Mm -hmm. outside of that? What would it look like if I actually did something that I enjoyed? Mm -hmm. Um, And so right in my early 30s, I started kind of working in a completely different way and my life became my job i did find something that i really loved and i just by design like threw myself into it and that was also very cool and great until the work stopped being rewarding and Mm -hmm. when that work was questioned i really questioned a lot about myself personally my value my personal value because i had blended the two so closely that I didn't know how to distinguish anymore um and it and it really affected me on a on a deeply personal level where yeah. once the work had stopped being rewarding I didn't know how to find fulfillment j- just being me and I didn't even trust myself to like make decisions of what I was getting for lunch at that point you know <laughs> everything yeah. just sort of became this really um it, just, it created a lot of anxiety too yeah. so I started developing different different mental health um I don't want to say issues, but I guess concerns. Uh when I when I hit when I after these four years of really investing myself in a career um that started that wasn't rewarding anymore. Mm. Um yeah, I had anxiety that I'd never had before and just like all of these different um struggles that I had never seen.
0: Yeah. Just jumping off that, I feel like we're being told to well, we're receiving messages about doing what we love and fighting our passions, right? So you know if you, if you do what you love it almost doesn't seem seem mm-hmm. like work right. right so on on one hand it's like you know find what you do find what you're passionate about and you know your life's going to be great mm-hmm. um but at the same time we're also being told to separate life and, and work so we have a, a, a healthy balance Should, i mean is it possible to you know really find something you're passionate about that is work and you know you throw yourself completely in you know without Without burning out. Like the, the idea of, you know, doing something that you're passionate about, is that, is that possible with work or would it, would it always be work?
1: So this is the thing. My background is business operations, but for right. the last six years, I've spent my time studying neuroscience. Oh, okay. I'm a trainer of neuro-linguistic programming. I'm a trainer of hypnosis. So I actually understand how the brain works and everything that people are telling you to do is counterproductive of how the human mind actually right. works. Man, let us
0: know. So that's why there's <laughs>
1: dis-ease because there is no conscious, unconscious congruency. <laughs> At anything that you do in life, you're, it's, it's called the requisite of change. You feel great. You learn something new. You do it. You are amazing. It's exciting. It's new. And then your unconscious mind is actually like, oh my God, I wanted to try something more because I've done this over and over again. People then try to do the same thing over and over again that they used to do. They fall down the road of being more depressed, depressed. Some people never climb out of it. Most people do because the brain then says, oh, there's a new normal. Then you climb back up to D, which we call your new happy place. But that always goes like this. And that is the process of life and how the brain works. Like the unconscious mind, one of the prime directives is that it's goal-seeking and it wants more and more and more. So it doesn't mean that you're greedy. Meaning, actually, once you are really good at your job, the natural thing that is it wants you to become and build more. So a lot of the things that they're telling people, go, go, go. It's a diminishing return your mind cannot the human brain can't function and hold an idea past 90 minutes so when people are working over and over and over and over again they're actually not getting what they need from their brain and the kind of going back to the whole like work fun thing i was a part of that problem right? right i worked for a tech company in seattle In the early 2000s, it was one of the first what became it was called social media, which actually was a word of mouth marketing, which became social media. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting there with the two founders and I was like, yo, we got to get these kids to work. So what did I do? I went to Costco and bought all the food and we modeled what Microsoft did because Microsoft made millionaires. And once you got a job at Microsoft, you never left because they took care of your whole entire life. So if you think of like the companies that started to pop up around that time, they started to pump that and anesthetize it. But it goes counterproductive to. The mind, or if I live on an esoteric as well as like a factual business thing, Mm. so you can call your mind also your spirit because there's your conscious mind, your unconscious mind, your higher self. It's completely counterproductive to what we're supposed to be doing. And again, it's brainwashing because there's 26 billionaires, right, in the world. Mm. And everybody's like, I can be this billionaire. No, you're not. (laughs) But you work in this aspirational society of Mm. validation, of outside of yourself. That has been created, which actually is counterproductive to what your heart needs. If you're constantly looking for validation outside of yourself, you can't really gauge it because it's outside of you. Yeah. So it's just interesting to kind of watch this, like having being ignorant and not knowing, yeah. then knowing exactly what's going on. Yeah. And then realizing that a lot of these companies have behavioral scientists that work for them because they know what they're doing. They understand that our unconscious minds are signs and symbols and that we're all programmed to something mm. and that there's also archetypes in. They get it. Ogilvy has a cognitive behavior department. For what purpose? Because in order for you to want to buy something, you have to have lack. You have to feel like you don't,
0: yeah.
1: aren't enough. And everyone in this world is lacking. It's aspirational. Like, I'm off of social media for the most part. Um, And that, what's that uh, on Netflix called you? Mm. It made me make my account private. And then I realized that I lost about 40 to 60 likes per view. And I was like, holy shit, this is messing up with my ego. Mm -hmm. This is messing up with like my value. Like what is going on with this? So I started unpacking it with my coach. Like I had a real good talk with him yesterday about this and realizing that we have created a society of, again, external validation. Mm-hmm. There's a 19-month waiting list for crane operators. Crane operators make six figures, but everybody wants to be a social media influencer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You interview mm-hmm. high school kids right now. They want to be an influencer or a gamer. Mm. What about doctor? What about lawyer? But, like, there's where's the honor in actually the fact that, like, building homes is honorable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Building Hudson Yard is honorable. Like, we've lost all of that. I don't know. Hand it yeah, <laughs> cool.
2: it know. I know that at one point, like for me too, I definitely got caught up in like the output, my hours logged was my value for myself. So even if I might've contributed to, um, at the time I was doing events, activations, things like that. So even if I might've contributed five really good ideas for, for us to do in the future and started building those out for me, if I wasn't at the office if I left the office before eight, I had this guilty like, ooh, I'm not working hard enough, even though what my my I can couldn't stop connecting my my um my output of hours with my value for mm-hmm. what I was giving the company, and I and it wasn't because necessarily anybody said it. I just felt I just had this pressure that that was how I proved my worth. Um, and that was also tied to like the salary I was getting paid. I felt like I I owed the company to put in these kind of hours to be worth the salary that they were paying me. Right? Do they be instilling that people? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mind games. Yeah, yeah. And
3: I I mean I honestly I'm an eternal optimist. I think that the tides are turning, and I think what success looks like. Mm is changing so if like we mentioned Elon Musk before he's a billionaire is an Oprah's a billionaire of like I want to be like Oprah and Oprah nourishes her soul she gives back you know she she reads all I feel like she's she reads more than anything that she's doing so she's reading and she's not necessarily like working you know and Mm -hmm. like doing her podcast or doing her TV show or running her magazine And for me, I think that when you look at an influencer in 10 years, it's going to be like, how happy does this person look, not just on superficial things, you know, and I try to share as much as my life as possible, like the highs and the lows and like what lessons that I'm learning and like the growth that I'm experiencing, which is not as sexy and as appealing as like a very surface level, like. I'm at a club, look at this bottle and like hashtag ad with these gummy bears. But it's like that, (laughs) that fulfills me. Um, And I think, can you find a job that you're, you're passionate about? I think I was thinking about this this morning of like, fuck passion, like find your purpose in this lifetime. Um, And when you find your purpose, you'll find opportunities and jobs that will ignite a passion within you, but you're learning from that. And like Courtney said, you learn, you grow, you move on. You want to always be in like a perpetual state of growth towards your soul's purpose. Right. And so I think what a lot of millennials, when they talk about millennials burning out or being lazy or it's hard to get their attention... We just don't know what we want. Mm-hmm. And we see other people that know what they want and why they're here going after it. And it confuses you a little bit. And there is no roadmap ba- road because our parents and their parents and their parents never went for what they wanted. Mm. You're conditioned not to, of like, you have to sacrifice because you have to pay bills. Yeah. And like, art doesn't get you money.
0: Yeah. But on that though, because a lot of people listening would say, that's great um but i i'm stuck at a job that pays well stresses me out mm. um but it's it's actually you know okay but yeah they want to find something they're they're passionate about or something that that fulfills them so is it possible you know with, with the fact that you got to pay bills with the fact that it's difficult to find a new job with the fact that you know tax everything is it possible to to find fulfillment within the confines of you know this machine that demands so much of us and gives us so little.
1: I think, yes. And I also think people need to kind of not only redefine what they're doing at work, but so I go in and do a lot of trainings at companies and they've been from Fortune 100s to small startups. A lot of this is a productivity problem. A lot of this is a actual I'm getting work done problem, like all that play is not allowing you to focus on what you want and need to do. We have a lot of people who are ineffective and inefficient. And a lot of times if you actually buckle down and lock it up, lock up your phone, lock up your emails, institute series of productivity, people are happier because they're actually getting their work done. Why people aren't happy is because you're not getting things done. So incompletion in the unconscious mind creates anxiety. So you have all of these plates spinning in the air, right? Well, your unconscious mind is like... When you get some things done, you have peace. But it's also something that you, what you were saying, um, the the value piece of like, oh, my parents, people don't know what they want. It's done. It's done by design, right? It's done a hundred percent by design because if I give you a hundred thousand, um, a hundred thousand options, it creates unload in the unconscious mind. So it actually creates confusion, and it people into a perpetual state of stuck. So what they've noticed is it used to be fight or flight. But now we have a whole generation who stall,
3: Right.
1: meaning they literally become gazelles and pray. They don't know how to fight or flight because they're so overwhelmed with what's being done. And it's done on purpose. Like, I know for a fact because I studied the science behind it. I worked with the people who put this in the Pentagon. Like, all the flight brashy lights is literally so that you are able to focus on internally and be happy because the reality is people normally would be like F you boss. Mm. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not on this hours. Like people don't even realize that they can say no to their boss.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like it's
1: how you frame it.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, we don't have to have like this battle, but like learn negotiation. They don't owe you anything. They're not giving you anything. Like 50 years ago, you got at least a pension. At least they gave you health care. Like they're not giving you healthcare, but they'll give you snacks <laughs> and that are causing your cholesterol and making you get fatter.
3: And if you're working yeah. at a startup, you're cutting your salary in half mm-hmm. and they're te- like selling you on a dream.
1: For um, equity. Yeah.
3: But it ain't coming it's too soon. It's too triggering for me, thing.
1: guys. Your founder doesn't even really understand how to run a business because yeah. he's a founder. Like there's so many different components to this. Mm-hmm. Most managers don't know how to manage because they haven't been taught to not only communicate, they don't even understand what people are. They were just good at their skill. And someone's like, you're going to manage a bunch of people. And they talk to them like crap and they don't tell them what they want them to expect. They tell them what they don't want to have. It's a whole bunch of people who are uneducated. And we have a mental, emotional people are like between seven and 15, but Working in adult bodies in the office, <laughs>
3: Exactly. And it's, I
1: think it's funny because yeah. obviously I don't, I'm not in it, I'm not triggered by it, and I know the things that I that can be done to solve the problem. It's like you said, I'm an eternal optimist because there is a solution. Yeah, right. but it's funny when I walk in and people are like kittens, just kittens, just wrangling <laughs> in that office. Like to me, WeWork is the biggest yeah. place to go is for hilarity, and nobody get nothing done in there. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's what I I was thinking about it the other day, and I was just like change. Like perpetual state of change, especially coming from a startup. And I've worked at a trade association before. There's always change there. Change creates chaos and chaos equals control Mm. for the owner, for the owner and for the managers. And they're people that are obsessed with power and control. And I don't know the science behind it. I'm on like the energy level of like power and control comes from a lack within yourself. Mm. So you're having a bunch of people that don't want to look within because they're scared of what's on the inside. And there's a deep like unhappiness within themselves. So you look to control things around you. And then you have, let's say that this is like the top of the pyramid, right? And then you have... Hundreds of people at the bottom that are, I mean, we're just an awakening, pe- awakening people as millennials. But then you take the Gen Z of, like, the unicorns of, of this world yeah. of, like, they are willing to go within. Like, there's something deep down inside of, like, people as you get younger and younger now. But they're also so, like, unplugging, too.
1: Yes. Because there is a direct correlation between our massive outward projection And what's going on internally. Yeah. There's no quiet. So if you don't have still and quiet, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to grow. Mm. And again, like they're rejecting it. I have um, a client who's at a run of the like big social app firms, Mm -hmm. one of the first like 20 brought in. And their kids don't want to be on it at all. Like they laugh. They're like, yeah, whatever, because they know that their freedom's been taken away. Mm -hmm. Their parents can track them. Like, leave
0: it to kids. kids
1: it's, listen, privacy is going to be the new thing because now everyone knows you're reading more articles about predictive analog behavior. Mm-hmm. They can map where your thoughts are because you heat see, seek. I mean, you read the stuff that's coming out of Singularity University, you'd be damn scared, right? Yeah. But a lot of people, that's the crazy thing about people and why I have hope. It only takes one person to say, no. And then everyone else is like, no. And then it's like, done. So mm-hmm. I have hope because, listen, in 10 years – like. I had, I've got this study here. More than 50% of Americans are working 50-plus hours a week, and they are taking four fewer vacation days a year than 2,000. One in three adults aren't getting enough sleep, and f- there are more 65-year-olds working than they ever have before because of financial concerns. That's crazy. But yes. everybody thinks they're going to get rich.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And I got all of that from Mindfulness Magazine that dropped out, I think, summer of 2017.
0: Right. If we go back to, to what you said about incompletion creates um, anxiety, mm-hmm. um, I think that's, that's so true. That's fundamentally true. But wouldn't it benefit companies to actually find ways to, like, optimize productivity instead of, in, instead of you know, f- free lunches and, you know, Well, no,
1: because if you cushions. think about it, like, we all have to make money. Right. So there was no TSA before 2001. Right. But now there are so many jobs. Like, if you were to eliminate that, where would those people go? Right? Right, right. So a corporation, they know they're ineffective, but you've got all of these jobs and this manager and that manager and that manager. And they're just spinning along because they're playing business. Now, a lot's not getting done.
0: Mm.
1: Right. Like Most companies, they don't hit their numbers. They don't get their productivity done. Everyone's to do list just becomes longer. Everything is urgent. You only take care of the urgent stuff, the stuff that you really need to get to that's going to move your business forward, doesn't get forward. And most businesses aren't successful.
0: They just sort of. They just are
1: sustaining. Like yeah. a lot of small businesses and startups have massive credit lines. If you were to pull that away, they couldn't actually keep their doors open. Right. So a lot of people are playing business, but our entire economy is kind of like moving money. Right. You rob Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. So that's why businesses don't want to be born productive, and also they don't know because if you've always done what everyone's always been doing, you think that's what you need to do.
0: Right.
1: They don't think differently.
0: Yeah.
1: If like you think that you should hire this person that was at Facebook and then they're going to like hire their friends because nobody does a real job search. Mm. That's just the way you do it. And like, I don't have diversity inclusion in my company. It's like, well, you don't have any diversity inclusion in your friend group and everyone calls their friends (laughs) to find Mm -hmm. out. That's why you have it, not have it in your business. So again, like it just goes back to the fundamental, again, it's the awakening and Mm -hmm. giving people under like actual understanding. You're not going crazy. Your unconscious mind and your brain and your spirit don't belong under this mm. so stop taking medication and going to someone that's gonna convince you that you're okay and just say no and kind of go back within
0: yeah but how do we bring bring sort of that paradigm shift in in work and the the individual because it's 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 easy or well, easier for individuals to sort of rebel against the, the machine but to actually instill this new Awaken a new new culture in terms of how we view and perceive work and how companies function. Um, that's going to take a lot. Um, that I mean, it's it's unfathomable. For, you know, to actually imagine w- what that's like. Yeah. It's it's a new a new emotional contract between the individual and the, the employer. How how do we we can, we can fix the individual, but how do we get companies to change the way they view work?
3: Studies are showing right now, I'm like, that's a question that hits my heart. (laughs) Um, uh, Studies are showing right now that businesses are going to have to start to pivot to solve for human need. Like money, capitalism is not going anywhere. That's like our main energy exchange like on this earth. And what you see people right now, like the buy one, give back model, the 10% donation model that you're seeing is because Businesses some of like a lot of them, not a lot of them, um, a couple of them are answering that call of the trend of business has to solve for a human need mm. and my theory is that if you have businesses that are solving for human need and if everyone starts to look within and realize like what their hero's journey is like on this planet of you're going to want to seek out the jobs that align with your alignment. Right. And I think it's going to take time. Like, I don't know, like maybe like 10, 20 years, like the workforce will look different. And it's not for everyone. Like, I don't
1: think that everyone has to change. Mm -hmm. Like certain things are okay for the way they are. Like just because it doesn't work for me, it might work for someone else. And Mm. my way isn't everyone's way. And I think we also need to hold space for that too. Like I know some people who get off on it. And the reality is, is that, my life is kind of my work. I've been able to find passion plays and bring it into politics, but I know what my purpose is, right? My purpose is to inspire and ignite and to help people learn what's within them so they can empower themselves. Right. And can I, I just the, ask, mm-hmm. does,
0: does everyone have to have a purpose? Do you, do you believe that?
1: Yes. And this is why, because if you go back again to like, we can talk about science and I like to talk science when I, because I'm a very esoteric person, but that really is a hard sell in a business format. Like they want results and facts as yeah. to why I'm paying for this, right? Yeah. So if you talk about it from the science aspect, your soul really does need to continue to evolve mm. and to form and to have harmony. That's just that's it. Mm. Um, you need you're here for a reason, right? Like you chose to be here, and the disease that you see is because people are caught up in the illusion of money and material rather than why am I here? What's the contract? What's my purpose for being here? Mm. And that was my thing. I didn't see it. Like I've always somewhat been doing what I've been doing, but it showed up and it looked very differently. And once I actually kind of had that, oh my God, this is why I'm here moment. And I can do this in 18 different avenues, Mm. but this is why I'm here. And I have to show up in every single avenue as this person, because this is my purpose. I believe that people would be a lot happier if they looked at life that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I invite people to do so. Some people who actually like have responsibility in businesses, I challenge them to do it. It's not an invitation like you need to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you need a purpose. Like yeah. why am I doing this every day? Mm. And some, your, some people's purpose is, but if it's just, just to be happy. If it's just to be happy, you would really evaluate like what is it I'm doing because I had a really bad accident in August of last year, I was hit by a drunk driver, and my my life is my brain. I had a severe concussion. I wasn't able to work for the last four years of four months of last year, and it was really interesting because I got down to purpose, right? Like I wasn't able to do the Forbes 30 under 30. This I wasn't able to do all of those things that like my vanity metrics. Yeah. And I was like, "What is important to me?" And it kind of like my soul started speaking to me again, like, "Girl." get back into your art and your piece. And I realized like, if I didn't have to do this on a grand scale, if I was just doing it in my small corner, I was going to be extremely happy. And that was a huge divorce for me.
0: Mm.
1: And it was spurn, I think, because I wasn't able to watch television or be on social media because I'd have blinding headaches and I'd get nauseous. So having that forced disconnection of realizing a lot of this stuff, I don't even really want this. I thought I wanted it Mm. because I've said I wanted it. Mm. I should want it. But no, I don't. Like, I'm actually really happy and and peaceful, and I have a great life and a great day. And it's funny, once I got to that place, all of those big things that I wanted literally started coming because I literally was at peace and realized that's my purpose. But it took a long time, and there are no shortcuts, hacks, (laughs) tricks, people. (laughs) It's a lot of work, yeah. and it's a consistent amount of work, and you have to realize that there are ups and downs every day. Like, I'm not on autopilot. I put in a lot of time and effort and a yeah. lot of money into only and in maintaining myself. Like, people just think, oh, yeah, you can – no, uh-uh. it's work. It's work to live in that, to actually have a life that you love. And I hate to say it, but most people – want other people to do it or they want it to be easy or and they actually think that their employer should do it like it's not your employer's job to make you happy
0: right he's right. trying to
1: make money off of you mm-hmm. he sold you the line and you bought it mm. but really it's up to you to take your life back and get involved in your community that would make you feel better too people don't give back to other people
0: that's a soul hurt Important. a soul, that's hurt. Really important. That's
1: it's a soul really hurt
2: i think there's been a paradigm shift about um also, like we're starting to look at the conversation instead of choosing this like one path. There was for such a long time we kind of were plugged into this idea that you go to college, you get a degree, you go into that job. Um, I'm blanking on the author's name, but they wrote um, "Designing Your Life." I don't know if you guys have read it or heard of it, but basically they take a design approach to to building your life instead of looking at it as like a one answer type of thing that 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 uh, question people always ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm. Uh, What they did was they took it and they flipped it. And they said, instead of deciding this like one thing that you have to be, which means there's one choice and you're picking and at a sacrifice of all these other things that you might actually really enjoy. And they flipped it and they said, what do you want to grow into? Mm. And that, and just that, that shift, I think, what do you want to grow into? There's so many ways you could arrive at that end result of what do you want to grow into? And I think it just opens up a lot of avenues. And so, that type of conversation. They teach this class now at Stanford and uh, it's a workshop at it tours and there's a book. So I just think that like having those kind of conversations accessible yeah. um, is going to continue to help people kind of figure out what, what their purpose is and, and, and start working towards it. I like that. What you want to grow into? What do you want to grow into? Right. Yeah. I felt like for the first time I've never been able to answer that question of what do we want to be when you grow up? Because I felt like, I don't know. I mean, there's so many different things that I haven't tried yet or, or that pressure to f- fit myself into this particular box, and also feeling like a failure because I hadn't picked something. Um, I didn't go to university, so I didn't like hit that track. Mm. And it was always something that I like really s- steered away from. It. Anytime somebody wanted to ask me, "What do you want to grow up to?" or "What do you want to be when you grow up?" or "What do you what do you want to do?" Um, I hated that question. But what do you what do you want to grow into? Uh, it feels full. It feels rich, and it feels exciting to think about.
0: Yeah, and also. It reminds me of what i see with with a few startups these days around sort of a line in um a, a very lofty purpose um for the company um and and trying to <laughs> instill that into the uh to the workers as well so so essentially what i'm trying to ask is is it possible or how do you define purpose in in a capitalist society where we we all agree that we're playing by the rules of we need to make enough money to survive, you know, have enough, ha- have enough to, you know, do our, you know, a uh, holiday or mm-hmm. pensions and, and all that. How do you find purpose that isn't, you know, ultimately about making money in, in some way? Um, the there's folks that can check themselves out out of the grid and say, you know, I don't need to be on the nine to five hustle. I don't need to, to work for, you know, a big fortune 500 company. I can do my own thing. Right. That's great. Mm-hmm. But for most of us, you know, we, 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 we've entered this machine and it's hard to get off, mm-hmm. but, but we still feel like we need to, well, not feel, we, we need to find purpose, you know, higher than, you know, our nine to five jobs. But how do we do that? You know, It's great to say, you know, this is my purpose in life. Um, But then, you know, you got to show up the next day to get that check. Like, you know. Ask
1: yourself what's important to you about. So it's called a values play. This is something that you can ask. Like, what's important to you about your job? Yeah. So I'll go to a client. What's important to you about living? Okay. What's important to you about life? And then whatever those things are unconsciously are what you spend your time on and what matter to you. Yeah. So put it in. Like, again, I'm going to kind of push back on saying it's not your job It's not your um, company's responsibility to make you happy. And I really think that people should not be looking for all of their passion in their work. We weren't put here to work. We're creative beings. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Why are we like even trying to force people to find passion in their job? Like you're a creative being. How about you just go to your job, do a good job, and then come out and do something else? like whether it be knitting or why do you uh, why what's this drive to fit you're still trying to fit into this mm. construct mm. i don't think so i think that a lot of people need to get more productive finish their stuff i call it do an hour of power where you shut everything off and you go actually eat the frog first do the hardest thing <laughs> and then you'd actually realize that you have more time at your work and you yeah. can say no i'm not going to do this yeah. like ah, oh, thank you you people are unorganized and disorganized and they have too many things going on and like a lot of it is self mastery. You're gonna get it's not anyone else's responsibility. So, you know, whether it be you write a book, you find a energy healer that works for you, you've gotta start your own journey.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There is no magic bullet, but it does start with one, as my one teacher always says, slow down. Like haste makes waste. And that's why everyone's going, 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 because you don't right. make decisions. So slow down, unplug. Get within and say, what's going to make me happy? What's important to me about happiness?
0: Mm.
1: What's important to me about life? What's important to me about my job? And once you sit down and you start to ask yourself those questions, you'll get some more insight. Yeah. And don't, when you're doing it, don't write what you should write. Literally just sit there mm. and write what comes to yourself comes to, yeah, because yeah. that's the unconscious mind buffering. Yeah. And
3: that's the true you.
1: Yeah.
3: I think... That's exactly, like, along the lines of what I was thinking of, like, getting real with yourself on, like, who are you, you know? And, like, what legacy do you want to, like, leave on this earth? And, like, if I'm writing, like, growth manager, you know, like, on, like, what I want to be, you know, and I'm like, what is, like, what? Like, a job title? And, like, when people write their manifestation lists, they'll write down, like, specific things like a dollar amount, you know, or some sort of trip. And I'm like, what does that trip mean to you? Mm. A trip is travel. Okay, what does travel mean to you? Learning, growing, being a student, you know, it's like the core of that. At your job, if you submit an Excel sheet that's going, like, some sort of data that's going to help your mission and you're working for a social impact firm, if you sit down and part of who you are is to serve, are you not serving mm. when you go to your job? Mm.
0: Yeah, that's a good
3: point. Do you, and so instead of like your purpose of like also a lot of um, a lot of talk right now around being multi-purpose. So like I consider myself like multi-purpose, and then it's also. Not defining yourself, like, by what that day-to-day might look like. Mm. And again, like, stop defining yourself by the work that you're doing. That's when my- I smile at someone on the street or, you know, I I consider that service, you know, of like giving like an energy exchange <laughs> to a random person mm. as an energy healer. I'm not putting my hands on them, but... By getting over myself because I'm very overwhelmed by the New York subway (laughs) and all the like 17 different smells that you smell to get to one place and like thinking about how uncomfortable I am, sometimes like me taking a step back away from myself, getting out of my own ass and looking at someone that I can see as having a tough day mm. and smiling at them and making eye contact and seeing that that's registering. And I i may have just made their day or that moment. Mm. I'm being of, of service, service to something that's more than mm. myself.
0: Yeah. Can I flip it around a little bit um, and and ask what companies can do now um, to actually get people finding the, finding their purpose to... To engender a, a happier, more productive, more um, purpose driven workplace, because as we as we've said, you, you, you can't rely on on an external factor to to you know, to find your peace, to find your, your happiness. But a lot of us are in, in in nine to fives, and we need to make that transition to to, to happiness while doing yeah. you know the the old old school way way of doing things. So, how how can companies actually you know direct guide you know, engender that that change with the people that work for them.
1: They could institute policies of, you know, we don't have contact over the weekends. Right After mm. a certain amount of time, maybe it's 7.30 or 8, we don't respond. I have a lot of my CEOs where I make them write the emails out. You get it out of your head. You can't hit send until the morning.
0: Mm.
1: It's training. Like, control your needs. Mm. People literally feel like they should have... Anything when they wanted access, right? Mm. So it's instituting policies and procedures that, or small things like meditation is great in the company. Right. Bringing that in, you bring more mindfulness, more wellness programs within the company. Training their higher, training their managers, huge. That would like change <laughs> so much. The actual founders having training on not only like what it is to actually run a company, but how they think the what. The sciences behind communication, them Mm. understanding. So 55% of how you communicate is physiology. Mm. What energy are you bringing in? Mm -hmm. What language are you using? Mm. Do you say, I can't stand this. I hate this. This makes me sick. This bothers me. Well, one, your words, you're putting that energy into your system. So you're coming in already like, uh. Like that's some of the small things that companies can do. Like look at your languaging. What are you asking of your people? Mm. Maybe it's saying instead of us all having to hang out, letting your people go home we don't have to be family
0: because
1: <laughs> most yeah. people don't even like their family. Mm. Like most people don't like being at work, mm. you know, like it's it's changing the way we've done things. And maybe just it, it starts with the company of saying, Hey, we really want to work on a balance, a fluidity when, mm. and how you do things. Mm. Um, we don't want you to take things home. It's starting to happen because these founders are having their own burnouts.
0: Mm.
1: That's where you're seeing this shift and um and they exit out like you mentioned oprah oprah doesn't do all that work herself mm-hmm. oprah has a corporation she has harpo and she has own
3: magazine she's three corporate buildings
1: she ain't doing all that work that's why she has time to read <laughs> well i'm saying when right. she shows
3: up for the mag not the magazine when she shows up for the photo shoots right
1: <laughs> when she shows up for the photo shoots but again i think it's also this idea that we put these people on a pedestal and we don't really look behind the curtain of what's going on mm-hmm. and they're also putting on a facade as well too right and again any one that's projecting something i'm just like okay what's mm-hmm. going on there's a like stop buying everything that we see and yeah. ask for what purpose that's a big question for me like i always ask well who's making money behind this
2: yeah
1: mm-hmm. why what's specifically so you were mentioning those companies with those big drawn out missions i always like so how specifically are you going to accomplish that? Mm. And they're like because oh. <laughs> it's nefarious, it's fluffy, it's air. I am so not into, I do my coaching. The unconscious mind doesn't do concepts. Like you're doing all this airy fairy stuff again to create hypnotism, right. to get people to buy your magic show of, of working all the time. It's yeah. brilliant. I mean, I look at it and I go as a student of the game, I look at it as a tool and I say they are winning excellent use of using that tool. I wish that my side would become more educated and be more tactical and strategic about it yeah. um, and take some of the airy fairy and bring it more practical and come in and make spiritual warriors to go out into the workplace rather mm-hmm. than just floating around. Because yeah. they are on their mission and they are going for it and they're gunning for it and
0: they're doing a great job mm-hmm. at it. Edward Bernays would be very happy about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Edward Bernays, but like also Virginia Satir, like Myers-Briggs, where people like live and die by that stuff. Those are only a small percentage of filters and people wear them on, but those filters can be changed in the unconscious. I spend time doing it all the time with people. But again, like everyone's, I'm this. You are not your behavior. Yeah. Like you are not your behavior. You are whatever you want to be and letting people know that like, and also you are not your job. What do you want to do instead?
0: I think that's the most important thing you are not your job that's like the recurring theme. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. no honestly thanks guys this has been this has been a lot different from what I expected. <laughs> um I, I, and no it's it's been super illuminating to actually you know go back to go back to the soul essentially um and realize that yeah, the, you, you can't place your, your happiness in another person or, you know, an institution or, or, or a company. It has to come from within. That purpose has to come from from within. What I also liked was how, how practical uh, it, the conversation has been as well. Like Because it's, it's great to find purpose, and we have to, but, you know, we also have to do that while navigating this 9 to 5. Or in,
1: yeah, I have to give these after. people substantive reasons as yeah. to why I'm going to put you all under hypnosis. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: I had to find a way to like make it work. If I'm like, oh, well, you're going to feel better. How, like, this is another one. How is feeling better going to make you, like, what results is mm-hmm. feeling better going to provide you? What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. I feel better. So it's going to allow me to X, Y, and Z because feelings come and go. Mm-hmm. I think that's like another one that people can get clear on too. So what do you want to feel? How can you feel better around it?
0: Dope. All right. Um, yeah. Before we leave, just, you know, I just want everyone to just give it, give themselves a shout-out. Like, what way can we find you? You know, anything you want to say, just go. Who wants to start?
2: Go for uh, it, Mariam. Sure.
3: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find me on my website, uh, yeah. mariamajayi.com. Right. Um, And on Instagram, at mariamajayi. So I'm very easy to find. Cool, cool.
2: Cohesive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my Instagram, I think. I think ooh, I'm bad about this. It, it's just Ashley underscore Elders. I think. All right. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I, it's um, yeah, you can check it out. It's there.
1: Cool. dot uh, Com. Everything is Courtney Seard. Awesome. Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook is a place for friends. So.
3: I won't. No, <laughs> no, you,
0: I won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Mariam, thank you. Ashley, thank you. Courtney, thank you, thank thank you so you much. Too, and Brooklyn Podcasting Studios, shout out. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank Until you. the next episode of Fresh Meat, I've been Joanna Buba. Peace.